All right, here we go. A lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. It's been a while, folks. Welcome back. First podcast in my new house. And yes, it is raining above me. There is a roof between me and the rain. I would like to announce that. But if you hear some raindrops, that ambient noise, that'll just enhance the sounds of this podcast. What episode is this? I don't really know. Very disoriented. That's what happens when you move. You forget the day, you forget the time, you forget the month. You forget which boxes had what stuff in it. And then as you slowly whittle away at the project, you realize everything is on you. All homeowners already know this, but I've been renting for the last 20 years. I moved out of my mom's house when I was 17 years old. I'm now 37. So for 20 years, I've been renting. For 20 years, if something goes wrong, I call a landlord. I call a leasing office. Right now, if something goes wrong, holy shit. Google, Google, YouTube video. Google, Google, Yelp, Yelp, YouTube video, Google, text a friend, text a friend. Do you know a plumber? Do you know an electrician? Do you know an arborist? Do you know somebody that can mow a lawn? Guess what this means? I got to learn to do some things. Isn't that really what home ownership means? You got to learn to do some things. Who knew it was such a luxury to rent? But this is the American dream to own a little sliver of property. In the USA, are we going to chant USA? Who's with me? Are we chanting yet? USA. All right, but as I said, the rain above me is a beautiful thing. Could have used this rain a couple of weeks ago when the campfire started up in Butte County. And I realize my problems of having a little smoke in the air are so minuscule compared to what people are actually experiencing up there. And this is yet more perspective. More of those life lessons where you realize, all right, you know what? My stresses, my little gripes and complaints are pretty nearsighted. So many heavy things have been happening. That's life. You know, sometimes it feels light, joyful, happy, fun. And then other times it gets a little heavy, gets a little sad. It gets a little dark. I feel like it's been heavy lately. Not sure if that's relatable for some of you listening right now. But the culmination of so many things coming together has just felt dark. Darkness. Some true sadness going on in my family right now. You rewind a little further, the Pittsburgh massacre at a synagogue in my mom's hometown, Squirrel Hill. I'm going back a little bit just to show you the confluence of things that have come together. These wildfires, when you read that there's, what, about 900 people still missing? Still missing. There's over 80 deaths. And a lot of the survivors, it's not like they're celebrating. These are people living in tents with their little kids on the side of roads. So when you watch this on the news and you realize, oh, I'm complaining about a headache or backache or the fact that we have a terrible smell coming from our sink area or that maybe we need a sewer lateral or to try to even understand what a sewer lateral is. All these things, I just got to put them on the back burner and realize there are some people truly suffering right now. There's some actual strife, some actual agony, and I need this perspective. Otherwise, we, or maybe I should just I, become a little self-absorbed unintentionally. I consider myself a selfless person, but sometimes we are blinded by our own problems, blinded by what's going on just a little further. And just a little further right now, it is sad to think about what's going on. So let it rain. Let this rain clear up the smoky skies a little bit. And just one year ago, it was the Santa Rosa fires where you go, couldn't get any worse. 
Is this an annual thing? You just hope not. You pray that it's not an annual thing. Oh yeah, it's late October. Here we go. Wildfires. I know every region has their thing. I know about hurricanes in Florida, tornadoes throughout the Midwest. People think we live in earthquake territory, which I guess we do, but let's be honest. These wildfires, this can't continue. Do you like obvious comments like that? These wildfires can't continue. That's my platform. I'm running for mayor, and I hereby declare an end to these wildfires. How? I don't know. But bring on the rain. And bring on the holidays, and I hope these holidays can provide some happiness for people who are coming together with family and friends, hopefully under a roof. Let's talk about the bare minimum essentials, right? Not where should we hang that painting, or "Mm, I don't like the lamp in that room, but how about a roof, some walls, some food? We shall not lose perspective on this podcast. It'll happen. I mean, by the end of this podcast, I'll be talking about a Netflix special that I couldn't stand, And the trivial things in life, of course. But just for now, I'll say if there's anything feeling heavy in your life, maybe that's what relates the human race. We all do. We've all got some shit going on right now in our families, right? We've all got some things going on, whether it's financially, emotionally, mentally, professionally. We've all got some things going on. That's what unites us. Actually, Saturday Night Live had a really funny skit. Let me give SNL some credit, talking about how we all clearly are divided in this country. You got the Republicans, you got the Democrats. But what about all the stuff we can agree that we collectively dislike? And it was really funny. But I think that's one of the great unifying aspects of this country is that a lot of us do hate the same stuff, right? We're all on the team of hating the wildfires. I hope we're all on the team of hating When we hear about mass shootings and massacres, I hope we're all on that team where we say somebody, someone has to do something or we all have to do something. Isn't that what a democracy is? Where we all, the people, have a voice? We all can come together and put an end to this bullshit? Wishful thinking, of course. We all hate the opioid addiction issue going on in this country, right? And that's a hot topic I want to jump into. I want to cannonball into that topic because it hit home with a friend of mine recently, a very sad, sad story. Not sure how much sadness you could take. You said, I'm going to try to listen to Josh's podcast today. Hope it puts a smile on my face. And by now you're like, nope, no, sir. If anything, a tear is rolling down my cheek and my blood is boiling because he's reminding me about a lot of the atrocities going on. But I digress. Do I digress yet? Do I get to the digression? Let me start with this. Two questions that I asked my wife a couple of weeks ago. We're sitting on the couch in our usual couch spots. I believe most husbands and wives have their couch spots. You got your places, you sit. You create that divot in the couch. It fits your butt. You sit there. Although I think we're going to make some switches. Just so you know. That's an intimate detail. I think we're going to switch our couch spots. Okay? Some breaking news. But we're on the couch and I asked her a couple of questions. And I didn't know what her answers were going to be. But once we both answered these two questions, it became clear that the answers were certain. Certain. Answer these yourselves. I said to her, do you think in general life gets easier or harder? Think about that for a moment. 
from our earliest memories to wherever you are in life right now. Does life get easier or does it get harder? And we both unequivocally said, harder? Yeah, harder. And then the second question, I said, now, does life get better or does life get worse? And we both said life gets better. And we were not even in a good mood when we were having this conversation. When my wife was answering these questions, I said, does life get easier or harder? She said, harder. I said, does it get better or worse? Better. It does. Why? Now, that's a question to really ponder. Try to answer that. Why? Is it because you start to learn more about yourself, more about the world? You gain some more wisdom. Hopefully, you have more awareness with whatever your issues are and try to dissect them, get the help you need, or your self-worth increases. Or if you became a parent, maybe your ability to love expands and grows to levels you didn't know possible. I know that sounds cliche, but come on, it's true. So can we rely on that? Can we rely on that answer? Life's just going to get better. Yeah, you better be of that mindset. I guess that's called faith. Not even bringing up religion, but isn't that called faith? I'm going to put my faith into this idea that life's going to get better and better and better, no matter what. Put it in the hands of a higher power. Or it's just my own personal decision. Yeah, life will get better. I have decided that that's my mindset. So with every setback, and there's going to be plenty, just have that faith that, yeah, when I get out of this, I'll learn from this and I'll be better because of it. Nobody wants to hear that in the eye of the storm. When tragedy hits you and somebody goes, yeah, this will make you stronger. You just want to punch them and go, fuck you. You want to sing it. You don't just want to say it. You just want to sing it right into their face. Fuck you. But they're right. It's true. You persevere through some adversity. You try to find some meaning. You try to find a lesson in it. And then later in life, you look back and go, okay. Maybe. I don't know if that resonates with you. Maybe that just sounds like a bunch of bullshit. And tragedy just remains tragic. But if I think back on all of the hurdles in my past and how painful they were in those moments, and then I say, then what happened? Yeah, Tell your own personal story to yourself. Then what happened? Think about some of the falling flat moments you've had. You just fell flat on your face. Those moments in life. Did you learn something from them? Hell yes, you did. And mine are tiny compared to what families in Squirrel Hill are going through. The families that lost loved ones because a madman with a gun walked into a synagogue and decided to kill people simply because they were Jewish. And a part of me feels guilty because that story pierced my heart harder than if I heard about a synagogue shooting, let's say in Missouri or in Nevada, because this truly is my mom's hometown. And I've been to this town, the tree of life synagogue, where this all went down. We've walked by it. My mom's been there. My cousins were there the night before. Think about how jarring that would feel to know you were in a location the night before a mass shooting. My cousins, my Pittsburgh fam, they were right there at a Friday night Oneg. And then the next day they hear this news that must not even feel like reality. It must just feel like you're in the middle of a horror movie, but there's no credits coming because it's not a movie. It just becomes life and you have to pick up the pieces. It's a two-pronged conversation. It's about anti-Semitism and it's about guns and gun laws 
and things that may even sound too heavy for this podcast right now. But there's so many news stories that we just consume. We see, we read the tweet, and then we move on. We read the news story, maybe we're affected for one, two, three minutes, and then we move on. Let's be honest, right? Of all these tragic news stories you read, not just here in America, but throughout the world, throughout the world, how many of them truly change your mood? 0.0003%? It's a tiny percentage. But for some reason, I just couldn't shake it. Couldn't shake this shooting. There have been plenty of shootings. You know, pick and choose which ones are actually going to floor you. And then these wildfires, I felt so guilty because here I am moving. And when you move, it's everything. When you move with a little baby and you're unpacking boxes and you're choosing, wait, where should the plates go? That's an actual conversation. Should the plates go in this cupboard or in this cabinet? And you realize what a luxury it is to have this plates conversation. And after three days of this, moving, 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 the endless to-do list I finally put on the news and I take a look. Hold on, my dog's in the room. He's about to cough barf. He's good at this. He coughs into a little barf. Muggsy, you going to do it on the mic? No. That's also breaking news. Muggsy is still alive. He's to my left right now in this new room. What is this room? I don't know. Probably a room where we go, yeah, we'll put another baby in there one day. But for now, just put your computer, your microphone, your Richard Pryor poster your Giants and A's poster, some books. So we'll call it The Office. Yeah, I'm in The Office right now with Muggs, who's coughing in the background. And maybe you hear that, maybe you don't. Are you going <laughs> to do it on mic? You know damn well I'm not going to remember what I was talking about. And you may hear the rain right now on the roof. Either way, it's all the natural sound to hopefully enhance this experience. I really wish I had notes today. I feel like there was something... I was talking about, I'll get it, I'll get it, stay with me. Ah, yes, 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 yes. So after a few days of moving, 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 where you have the smallest thoughts become the biggest issues, right? The smallest thoughts become the biggest issues. Oh, the bath mat is too thick and we can't open the door if the bath mat is down. The door doesn't have enough room to open and we're going to lose a few minutes of our lives stressing out about that. But I put on the news. I put on the news. And there it was. The campfire. Just an insane sight. Looked like special effects. Looked like something they would conjure up in an L.A. studio. But that was real life. And these are real people. And I was thinking, wow, could you imagine having a one-year-old? Our daughter turns one on Sunday. Could you imagine having a one-year-old and then being told, you got to leave immediately Grab a family album, grab all the clothes, your wallet, cell phone, and that's it because you don't have much time and leave without a destination. And then you find out your home burned down and oh yeah, that baby still needs to be changed and fed and all the little appliances we have to make sure she's changed and fed in a peaceful, comfortable atmosphere. All that. It's not like you're bringing all of that. And I thought about these parents up in Butte County who just took the baby, maybe stuffed a bag and then said, all right, we live in a tent now. I couldn't shake that. You can't shake that thought. Like I said, of all the news stories we're inundated with, and it shouldn't even be called watching the news. They should call it watching the bad news. It shouldn't even be called a newspaper. It should just be called the bad newspaper. The majority of the stories being reported are bad. You know, they don't open up the newscast with 
Earlier today in San Jose, one neighbor brought another neighbor a brisket, and it ended in a hug. More on that later tonight, but first we go live to the scene where our own Brian Davis is standing by with a story on friendship. Brian? No, 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 no. You almost cringe when you start the news. You go, okay, where's the shooting? Is there a molesting? Is there a rape? Something that happened on BART today? Uh-oh. What a car crash, a fire, a shooting. It's just, oh boy. You can only handle the news for so long. Who watches the entire episode? Who watches all of the news every night? That would fuck my life up. Not to say ignorance is bliss, but sometimes you need to just back up. Back up. Take a breather. Do a little 10-minute meditation. That's why smartphones are killing us, right? I mean, that's one of the 8 billion reasons. Is that there's too much news coming at us. And most of the news is not good. So we're affected by this. What should be our equilibrium? Happiness? It'd be nice to say that. But that would be too scary to think that every bad news story would just throw us off kilter. So whatever our normal state is, whatever that in-between gray area state that you know you probably want to live in, you don't want to live too happy all the time and you don't want to live too low and dark and depressed all the time. You got to be somewhere in the middle because life's a roller coaster. But if you're living in this world that's just, I want happiness, I want joy, and then your smartphone says eight people are dead in a mass shooting, God, that's going to throw you. Actually, it'll throw you no matter what state of life you live in. It's overwhelming. Speaking of that word, overwhelming, the opposite is underwhelming. Yet the word whelm, nobody uses that. Is that even a word? Don't Google it. Don't Google it and then find out that information and then go, of course, Josh, it's a word. Don't. If you have to Google it, it doesn't count. But if I just say whelm, you ever heard someone use that word? You always hear somebody say, I'm overwhelmed or I'm underwhelmed. Does anybody say, I'm underwhelmed with this podcast? Yeah, I'll bet you do. Or maybe today's podcast, you go, I'm overwhelmed with a lot of the things you're saying. I get it. So am I. But the word whelmed? Huh? What is that? It's not a word. And even if it is, even if dictionary.com shows you it is, nobody uses it. So what are we over? We're all using this word, I'm overwhelmed. Oh, really? What's whelmed? I don't know. But do you know what overwhelmed means? I do. So what are you over? I don't know. I should Google whelmed. Should I do it right now on the podcast? Nope. Let's just move on. Hey, here's a couple things. A couple things I wanted to share. With my little baby girl turning one on Sunday. It's a quick year. It's the most common thing you hear from other parents. It goes quick. Enjoy it. Isn't that the most common thing you hear if you're a parent? It goes quick. Enjoy it. (laughs) but it's true i guess it goes quick watching them progress from little tiny infants into toddlers and they walk and talk and then they develop their identities and personalities it's all great it really is two things number one she only points with her middle finger and she loves to point she gives you a room tour every time she wakes up this is the cutesy part of the podcast where i tell you about this little girl so she only points with her middle finger and it's like the perfect flip off It's like her hand just goes into the perfect formation of the flip-off middle finger. It's not just a cute baby middle finger. She knows what she's doing. It's her first joke. I'm going to point to everything with the middle finger. I'm going to point to the lamp with my middle finger, my crib, 
my diaper genie with the middle finger. And I love it. Hope it never ends. The other thing I like, I've noticed uh, she always says, mmm, when she eats, even as she's chewing, there's sound coming out of her face. Her voice box is making some vibrations. Mmm, she's eating banana, avocado, anything. Even farro. What's farro? It's a grain. Google it. Mmm. That's the best compliment. Even though she can't really evaluate cooking yet, she eats everything. This is not a picky eater. And she constantly just says, mmm. Did that one get a little too cutesy? Are you like, yeah, go back to the heavy stuff. We don't need to hear about this. But finally, this one's weird. I only shave twice a month, so I usually have a beard, right? And sometimes I only shave once a month, so the beard gets a little bushy. And sometimes I don't shave for a whole month, and that's when it gets a little scraggly. And when it gets thick, this little baby identifies that part of my face as me. You know, babies get comfortable with certain people based on how they look, maybe how they sound, how they feel. But the beard... It's been a defining quality of my face. And then I'd say a couple of months ago, I did a clean shave, by the way. I took a straight razor to a scraggly, bushy beard. You ever do that? It takes about 40 minutes to shave. You go inch by inch by inch by inch. And you're saying, what? You don't have electric clippers? I do, but come on. I went just straight razor to a bushy beard, and it takes a lot of water. Environmentalists would not like to hear that. I I just had the tap going full throttle hot water. You got to do a hot razor when you're trying to cut through a beard. And I got it off. So I went from looking like Dan Fouts in the 80s to, let's say, Philip Rivers today. There you go. That's a perfect Chargers quarterback example of a man with a beard to a man without a beard and a clean shave. Philip Rivers always had a clean shave. Dan Fouts always had a beard. That'll be your Chargers talk on a Friday. What is today? I honestly just said on a Friday and I wasn't sure but the truth is it's wednesday it is a wednesday and my dad's coming into town and we're about to go to breakfast so i might need to wrap this up soon where are we going lighthouse cafe what am i going to get probably corned beef hash why why so many questions today huh and then lococo's tonight of course mark rosenberg comes into town it's just an eating tour you just say all right it's time to get a bigger size pants because we're going to get a little chubby over the next five days Holy shit, tangents. Okay, okay. So two months ago, I shave off this beard, and I come back into the living room, towel around my waist, and I immediately forgot I shaved. I guess I was in my head. You know, too many thoughts. You forget what you just did. And my baby, there was like a glow on her face coming from the window. And babies don't usually just sit and stare at you. Their attention goes in so many different directions that they're always moving, they're always moving, they're always moving. But she just sat there on her knees, kind of like sat up and looked at me, not smiling. And it became so eerie because she just kept looking at me in the eyes. And I thought, is this the moment? Is this what they're all talking about? When you bond and fall in love? I had already fallen in love, but I was like, is this something they don't tell you in the books? The moment where your baby just stares at you and connects with you emotionally? I didn't realize she thought a total stranger had emerged from the bathroom. She was terrified. I was having this moment of like, oh, we are attached, aren't we, dear? She thought my wife has been cheating and this was a new guy coming out of the bathroom in his towel. She did not see dad anymore. That's how distinct the beard was to her eyes. 
she was totally scared and frightened by this man who just came out of the bathroom with no beard. And as she sat there with the glow on her face, it immediately went from love, loving, to I got worried. I almost felt like I was having panic. Because when a baby stares at you for about 40 straight seconds, not smiling and not quite crying, but just eyes big, not blinking, picture this for a moment. Was this Village of the Damned? This got scary in a heartbeat. So happy first birthday to Myla. You're like, really? That's, that's the best story you've got? Yeah, we got others, but come on. Most of these stories all parents have, right? We were at the swings, and you know she loves swings. You don't want to hear that shit. You want to hear about the time she was terrified because she thought mom was cheating on dad with Mr. Clean Shave. All righty. Couple of quick ones. Number one, email. Fuck email. Here's why. I like email. I was alive before email. And I remember getting my first email address, josh at nethere.com, when I was 17 or 18 years old. Freshman year in college, I got an email address and paid a company called NetHere. I paid them 10 bucks a month. I don't know, 10 bucks a year. I truly forget, but I had an email address and I would email friends at other colleges. Hey, how are you? Look at us. We're emailing. Is this amazing? Didn't realize that the evolution of email would be checking it. Let's be honest. Let's be totally honest. Your personal email and your work email. Ask yourself that question. How many times per day are you checking it? For me, I'd say the answer is 20. My Yahoo, my Gmail, my NUSD, all of it, at least 20 times per day. And this is the truth. It is creating such a higher level of stress to go home, detach, take a shower, put on your sweats, Pour some wine, start cooking a meal, and then boom, you check your work email. Why? I don't know. I don't have a good answer, but there's always an email there. There's always something in the inbox that I have to address. Or your personal email. There's always something there. So it kind of wires your brain to say, you got to check this. You can't let an email sit. You can't just let that sit in the dark garage. You got to address it and reply. Maybe this is just me, but I think this represents a lot of people. We're attached to our email. This has nothing to do with apps. This has nothing to do with social media. This is an email rant. So think about life before email. You would come home from your job, whatever your job was. This is every year of human existence before email and you were done at work. You were done. Whatever the last thing you did at work was, that was the last thing connected to work. Now, how many people are like that? Nobody just leaves work and they're done. Done? Actually done with work. You're usually still connected through the email world. And you're supposed to check it. Could you imagine if you didn't return an email for one whole day? Most people are not understanding. Most people would think you're dead. I'm so prompt with my punctual responses and my replies that if I didn't return an email to a coworker or a friend or a family member, in a day, they would get very worried. I need to change that about me. I'm going to try an experiment. Not a week without Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. That, right now, probably couldn't do. Let's be honest. I'm under the spell. But what about just coming home from work and not checking email? I'm going to do a one-week experiment. Speaking of a one-week experiment, one of my students in journalism just did her story on that, one week without using the phone. Great story. And I asked myself, could I do that? Could I truly do that? The answer is no, no. This kid in my class, this teen, just for the true essence of creating a great 
journalism story for our school newspaper, said, I'm going to try an experiment, not use my phone and then write about it. Just a first person narrative. One week without my phone. It was so well written. It was so entertaining. A great read. A great read. And then I thought to myself, wow, this kid's more mature than me. I couldn't do it. That'll be my New Year's resolution. We're not there yet. It's only Thanksgiving. We're going to get into Christmas and Chanukah. And then come New Year's, I'll probably have some profound resolutions that'll break a few days later. But at least for now, I could look ahead to some resolutions. And we all should. Shouldn't we? We all should. Even if we know we'll break them, let's make them. If you know you'll break them, still make them. Because you plant the message in your mind and then maybe it grows like a plant. Can you hear this rain right now? Are you hearing this rain? Coming down on my plants, come on down on my bougainvilleas and my petunias. There's a lot of plants at this new house we got, and I don't have a green thumb. My thumb is, what color would I say? Actually, I'll just say flesh-colored, as in, I'm not a gardener. I guess that's another expense. A landscaper, a gardener, somebody to trim trees, somebody to do things. I need more money. This just became a GoFundMe. All right. Uh, Kickstarter campaign for help us keep the plants green. All right, I had a bunch of other things I was going to say, but last night, just randomly, we're out of shows. We've been watching The Office reruns on Netflix, which is incredible. Are you kidding me? How funny was that show? How funny was that show? We're now at the part where Andy becomes manager, if you want to know where we're at in our Office reruns. But we were done with that, done with shows. There was no football on last night. So I went to Netflix and I found a special. Loudon Wainwright. This is Rufus Wainwright's father. Loudon Wainwright III. And he's a storyteller. He's a guitarist. He played the ukulele. He played the banjo. And he had like the most raw stories of family life that I think most people could connect with. Even if it wasn't relatable what he was saying about his family. When we stop and think about how we're shaped by our earliest memories of ma, dad, brother, sister family it's pretty impactful you think about why am i this way nature versus nurture right right and you point to certain family members and you go you made me this way and i think you made me this way and i think you made me this way and you start to piece back your family history and you recognize a little more about yourself well loudon wainwright was so fucking amazing and i know i didn't need to use the f word right there and i'm sorry but parental advisory explicit lyrics on your old hip-hop albums, you also put it on the Here We Go podcast. You know that logo, parental advisory explicit lyrics? When I was in fifth grade, that was like, oh, we are rebels. We are listening to Two Live Crew, and our parents are not home. Oh, baby. Thank you, Luther, for these powerful lyrics about sexual things that we don't understand because we're fifth graders, but my God, we like to listen to it. So yeah, Loudon Wainwright, if you could see this special, I don't know if you'll be bored. I don't know if I was bored at times, but the times I wasn't bored and I was engaged, I was so drawn to the lyrics. It wasn't like real singing where it's poetic lyrics, even creative lyrics. It was just like literal lyrics. Like I'm speaking to you conversationally through a great voice. This guy has a great voice. And it was directed by Christopher Guest from Best in Show. And Judd Apatow produced it. So you know it's good, right? Everything Judd touches turns to gold. Uh, but there's my recommendation. Give it a few moments. And his father, Loudon Wainwright's father, was a columnist for Life Magazine for so many years. And he would recite his columns out loud. And it was just a slice of nostalgia. It was so cool. 
It was one of those specials where you actually put your phone down and you get sucked in and you go, yeah, this is going to change my mood for the better. Yeah. Tap into your heart, your Corazon, folks, your soul. And Loudon will bring you there. Do you know who Loudon Wainwright is? He played the gynecologist in Knocked Up. And he's got that song, Here's my daughter in the water. Everything she has, I bought her. I probably screwed up the lyrics. All right. I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. Although, let's be honest for a moment. That's not the best food we could serve. I know it's significant, but whose favorite food is turkey? The only thing we're hoping for is that it's not dry. That's it. Here's an unscientific fact I'm going to give you. I bet one out of four, nope, two out of seven turkeys throughout America are very dry. But because everybody's around the table wearing cardigans and being polite, they have to go, ooh, it's good. How many people are lying about the turkey tomorrow? Ask yourself that question. How many people throughout this country are lying to the cook and saying it's very good when you know it's dry? And even if it was very good, what is very good turkey? Moist? Tender? You like dark meat? You like white meat? You know you got to cover it in gravy, like a swallow pill. You take some turkey and then you dump the gravy into your face just to make sure it's manageable. How do I know this? Nobody eats turkey like that throughout the year. Nobody goes out to a restaurant and says, hmm, I'm between the salmon and the turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce. It's a C-plus meal. I like when people throw some ground beef in the stuffing or some sausage in the stuffing. You know what that is? Saying, we got to reform this holiday. Or, you know, we made a tri-tip on the side. There you go. Or we're serving pizza with the turkey. There you go. You got to make modifications. No one gets excited. Even if you're like, Josh, come on. My mom makes the best turkey. Okay, great. She makes a good turkey. That's a good version of something that's never exciting. It's the one day of the year we're going to eat this meal. Stuffing. Stuffing's not exciting. Green beans. The snoring sound effect is back. Yams? Oh, fuck yams. That's why there better be a lot of wine on the table. Pies for dessert? Pies? Actually, I like pies. I couldn't find a way to insult pies. But pies with nuts? No thanks. No thanks. Pecan pie? You like it? I don't. No thanks. Cherry pie? My wife doesn't like that. You remember that from Marin Joe's? Huh? No thanks. Peach pie I like. No one serves peach pie, though, at Thanksgiving. Apple pie? Boring. Reliable, but boring. It's like giving PBJ to a kid in third grade. Does the kid love it? No, but it's reliable, so he eats it. Or she eats it. Gotta make it gender-friendly, or they eat it. Okay. Oh, boy. Time for me to close this book. Time for me to slowly back away from the microphone. All right. I love you all. I actually don't know what episode this is, and that's not a joke. So I'll just say this episode is in the books. I'll talk to you soon.